at the coaching ticket for the Jacksonville Jaguars, it's not filled with people that fill me with hope. Hello and welcome to All Four Quarters, your one-stop shop for news, views and overreactions to all things NFL. It was quite an exciting week, uh, some changes in coaching, some changes in the standings and some uh, teams being brought back down to earth. So hey, we got Connor here and we got Ronan. Hello. How are you getting on? Any crack? Ah, keeping it pretty quiet, you know, tipping away at work one month out from release and saying we're well on schedule. Oh. Uh, and then the Rugby World Cup, uh, you know, our weekly update. Ireland beat Russia, who are terrible at rugby, uh, for those who don't know, uh, but now face Samoa, where if they get a bonus point, which is where you score over four tries, equivalent of touchdowns uh, for NFL audience, um, then they will definitely go through to the quarters, probably against New Zealand, but if they don't, then might be a bit of tension for a subsequent game uh, between Japan and Scotland. And Japan, obviously, favourites right now to go through after beating Ireland earlier on in the group. Yeah, I think, yeah, basically it's a, uh, I was reading about it today, so if we win, we get the bonus try, we're all good, we're through to the quarterfinals, if we don't get the bonus try, we have to wait, if Japan beats Scotland, we have no problem, but if Scotland beats Japan, then we have a problem if Japan also gets the loser's bonus point, because then we're all tied on the same number of points at 15? That's if Scotland also get a bonus point. Yeah, if Scotland also need to get the bonus point, yeah. So it's, um, yeah, there's a lot. Like, basically, just just kick the shit out of Samoa and we're okay is is, is the key message, I think. Yeah, pretty much. <laughs> excellent, excellent. Good to know where we stand. Uh, yeah, I'm fairly quiet here. I'm kind of a bit busy with work and I've got my final exam and my master's tomorrow morning. So uh, trying to get some study done for that. I accidentally prepped for the wrong exam last week. So I have all my study for this week done uh, after shitting myself after walking into the exam and realising I had not prepared for the one that I sat but it went okay so I suppose yeah, well with the other exam was the one that's most like an arts exam when you have plenty of years of experience of doing arts exams ah oh, it's very true it's very <laughs> true uh, so I suppose we'll fly into the news uh, the big news I suppose this week is uh, Washington head coach Jay Gruden has been fired Comes after a 0 and five start. They lost like thirty three to seven against New England. We all had good fun when the game was kicking off because Redskins scored really quickly and we went, "Oh, is New England done?" And then they proceeded to just beat them into the ground. Uh, he also introduced their uh, rookie quarterback Haskins after a quarter and a bit in the previous game, and he got murdered. So really, just not that great. Uh, finishes off his tenure thirty five forty nine and one. With one playoff appearance, this is, and this is a sad, sad, that makes him the winningest coach in Washington since uh, since the current ownership and Schneider took over. Uh, this is just, it's not been messy. But to be fair, if you looked at that team, there was no real prospects for success. They've won one game since the uh, Native American curse was put on them uh, last year, I think it was. And yeah, ever since Alex Smith went down, when I think they were doing pretty well, I think they were six and three at that point. It's just been a cavalcade of awfulness. They've named their offensive line coach as the interim head coach. He says he's not going to start the rookie yet. And yeah, I just 
I don't see there's no attraction to players to come play there outside of them paying them big money there's no attraction to a coach to go there because as we've said they are by a distance the most dysfunctional organisation in the league and they all seem to be dickheads every second or third week there's a scandal like do you know what I've completely forgotten about they flew a load of cheerleaders down to South America for some event with sponsors and basically just prostituted them out they took their passports from them yeah it's a pretty awful organization um, on every level from its name to its ownership to its GM and Jay Gruden like uh, wasn't the most personable person but compared to the rest of the animals there he was uh, he seemed like a reasonable person even if he was found uh, by TMZ to be a bit much of a party guy in recent weeks. Yeah, smoking some uh, weed and he... picking up some young'uns. <laughs> I'm sure we've all been there, says uh, anyone who's over uh, 40, I'm sure. But, um, like, look, it's a situation where he's been a dead man walking probably since, like, the latter half of last season. During the off-season, uh, during the preseason, when he was ever talked about his future, he basically said, if I don't make the playoffs, I'm gone. And obviously, 0-5 is the kind of start that's going to, you know, make problems for any coach. But for one who is already on the hottest of seats, it's unsurprising this led to this situation and him being fired here. As I said before, he's basically only sticking around probably because if he gets fired, he'll probably get paid for a few years yeah. on his current contract that's and not have to worry about working or not. And then on top of that, there was there was there was clearly um, some uh, there was clearly some kind of uh, back and forth between him and the and the GM and stuff on this because there was rumours abound that he had no interest in Dwayne Haskins preferred several other prospects to him in the draft like that he didn't fit his system and all that kind of stuff like there was just this was this was never going to work there's obviously rumours immediately flying about that uh, John might give him a job in Oakland and they could unite the two sides of the Grudens again or something but um, yeah to be honest if I was him I'd just sit my ass, chill, get some of that horrible, you know, Washington team stank out of my hair and uh, enjoy the paychecks you get because you keep getting paid after you're fired. Yeah, and Bruce Allen basically washed his hands of any responsibility for the team being in a situation is where there is really a lack of talent. And like, as you mentioned, fair enough, Alex Smith got injured. That is a bit of a blow. Um, but overall, the team is a bit talent deficient and players who were highly sought um, haven't tended to improve being there. Uh, obviously, Trent Williams, who they drafted many years ago, um, is obviously incredibly unhappy with them, and the state of their field has caused many injuries with the turf being so poor. Um, so you're just kind of looking at a team where, when they're searching for their head coach, which I'm sure they're going to start, they're going to get their head start as they think it is. I don't know who will really want it. Like the fact that the early rumor is that like they're looking to get Mike Tomlin, and Mike <laughs> yeah, Tomlin, Mike Tomlin was just like, fuck off. Started, was like fuck no basically mm. gives you an indication that this might be a difficult situation um, to get someone actually worth doing like besides maybe the Bengals this is probably one of the worst organisations to end up being a head coach at the moment yeah and like the Bengals at least the problem with the Bengals is just that they're cheap and they don't really move a lot yeah. of stuff around like this one is just it's an actively bad rather than passively bad organisation um, but yeah, so I think we've also got some questions in about this, so we might answer some later on. Uh, we'll look at some of the injuries. There's a couple around the league this week. So uh, Pittsburgh quarterback Mason Rudolph had a brutal-looking hit uh, in between two players, and just was he was he was out cold before he hit the floor. 
Uh, it was unusual. Well, we said initially it was considered an unusual decision to walk off and not use the cart. But what uh, transpired was the cart broke and was not working, which is why he was picked up and carried off the field by a couple of his uh, teammates. They also lost uh, James Washington, the wide receiver, for a couple of weeks with a shoulder injury. So this now puts Pittsburgh on, I think, is it their third string or their fourth string quarterback they are going to this week? Yeah, Devlin Hodges, which is, uh, I think as we were saying at the time, definitely a Madden auto-generated yeah. name. <laughs> he's, he's a quarterback from Samford. Not Stanford. Sam Ford, yeah. Uh, I also, I also, if I remember correctly, is his nickname Frog? No, uh, he's the Duck. Duck, uh, that's it. Which is, by all accounts, probably not the most intimidating nickname to have as a quarterback. No. Throwing ducks is not the best thing to be doing. <laughs> um, like, he is, like, Mason grew up, obviously, a horrible thing. He's in concussion protocol. He might miss just one game. He may even be back this week. He's already back in training, apparently, but... You know, the fact they had to take the grill off his helmet, the fact that they made him walk off because the car broke down, which they've kind of denied, but not really denied afterwards, uh, the league. Um, and, you know, it's just a complete disaster here uh, for a team that was already kind of, you know, dealing with a lot yeah. of things to go and are now dealing with an additional injury to James Washington, one of their wide receivers at a, a pretty thin group at the moment. Yeah. Um, so <laughs> here's, here's the hopefully. question. Do they run out of quarterbacks or wide receivers first? Yeah, <laughs> I think the major hope is that there's been it looked worse than it it is, and that he'll have gone through a standard concussion protocol and he'll be back either this week or probably more likely next week, and it'll just happen to be one of those weird situations that occurs. But he didn't. You know, he wasn't looking uh, that good beforehand. Just a reminder of how dangerous the game of American football can be, and uh, obviously an indication that defenders shouldn't you know smack people in the back of the head Earl Thomas yeah. that's just not something you're supposed to be yeah. doing and like this is the thing as well like this is a team now who is down to its third string quarterback missing a load of wide receivers but hey everything's good they're at one and four they've traded away what's looking likely to be a top five pick in the draft for a safety that they picked up from Florida yeah, I think I think these issues are why they were kind of trading so much away were already relevant with Mason Rudolph, like a starter, and now they're just, they're even more relevant now. Like, if this is a truly lost season, which it has the chance of definitely happening, then all of that lost draft capital is going to look pretty stupid. Oh, uh, yeah. It's going to be pretty, it's going to be pretty tough to justify that come the offseason. Yeah, absolutely ridiculous. Kansas City had a lot of injuries. Uh, they were already missing, I think, starting left tackle, starting running back. Starting wide receiver one, about four minutes into the game, missing the wide receiver two. And then I believe the... Uh, sorry, it's not even... It's, it's a backup guard who's in who was absolutely awful as well. So, as you can imagine, due to that, Patrick Mahomes then got an angle injury. Although not from the opposing defense, from his own lineman, who at several points during that game got pancaked by a cornerback. Which is a terrible thing for any <laughs> lineman to be happening. To add insult to injury, then the defense, which have not really been playing up to the amount of turnover that's happened, uh, Chris Jones has injured his groin and is now week to week, and Xavier Howard, their other defensive tackle, has injured his ankle, and they reckon he's gone for possibly a minimum of five or six weeks, if not more. So they've yeah. picked up a few extra pieces to fill in, essentially, uh, but. 
this is a this is a spot where they were already weak. They were just allowing everyone to run all over them. They've now lost both their starting defensive tackles in a new four three scheme. This is not looking very good for that defense. And Pat Mahomes, we could see he was somewhat limited by the injury in that game. He was still good, but not as soon as he wasn't able to move out of the pocket as much, he wasn't allowed to make he wasn't able to make up as much for the you know lack of the wide receiving weapons and the and the, and the poor offensive line play. So these are the type of things that are going to worry them moving forward. Yeah, like I think Pat Mahomes, he should be able to play, but it will affect his, affect him a little bit. But Russell Wilson played through a similar injury a few years ago and was mostly fine, mostly able to run a week or two after picking up a high ankle sprain. So I think Pat Mahomes. Um, as long as he doesn't try to cut too much, he should be yeah. fine. As long as he runs in a straight line, relatively speaking, it's fine. Yeah, there's a big um, there's a big hope now that there's a there's rumors that Tyreek Hill might be returning this week, which would be nice yeah. because I think having one of them, either him or Sammy Watkins on the field, really makes a difference for how much the defense needs to respect the depth of the passing game. Yeah, and then that right. makes a big difference to how long he ends up sat there dancing around. Yeah, and Tyreek Hill also has the ability to win man man to man, which is yeah. what has generally been an issue in the last couple of weeks. As these kind of lesser lights like Miko Hardman, Demarcus Robinson, who are good when they get going, may not have that skill set quite yet. No, of um, course. I think the bit like Chris Jones and Xavier Williams, both your defensive tackles going out, is a major issue because obviously the other part that, that affected this week was the run game. Uh, eating all the clock, keeping Pat Mahomes off the field, obviously missing a superstar like Chris Jones and a solid player like Xavier Williams will make that run game defense a little bit even more suspect. But maybe they'll adjust the scheme a little bit to work around that and, and mm. hopefully do something there. But, uh, you know, there, there's certainly reason to believe that the Chiefs will be a little bit vulnerable for a few weeks further until these kind of issues are resolved. Oh, yeah. And we'll talk about it later on when we come to the games. But there's also, there's not a... Uh, it's not exactly the kind of run of games coming up that you want to have injuries, particularly at these positions going into. Uh, Baltimore safety Tony Jefferson tours ACL and he's out for the season. He wasn't up to a huge amount at the start of the season, so maybe production-wise it's not a huge drop-off, but he was... That's a position that they're not exactly uh, stacked in at the moment, and even just having Tony Jefferson in that situation he was even though he wasn't playing up to maybe what he could do he was still a valuable piece for a spot where they maybe don't have that much in the way of replacements yeah i think both him and earl thomas have been a little bit slower than they had been in their kind of their best years and it had been noted by a few analysts um that that had kind of created a lot of holes in the secondary um because especially Earl thomas and tony jefferson they were supposed to kind of cover um, the kind of lack of depth at cornerback because of the injuries they've already suffered there. So I think, given that his play wasn't really up to up to the standard that they would expect from a veteran such as himself, there's always a chance that the Ravens have someone hiding in their depth chart who will end up becoming a as good a starter. Like we know that the Ravens are one of those organizations and have the coaching ticket where that's certainly a possibility, but it's certainly open to it's always now up to them to try and find that replacement. And there's every chance that it will be a step down because that's what you would hope, what you would usually expect from the situation. Yeah, and particularly given how the last couple of weeks have gone for Baltimore, they kind of need to make sure that they're not losing any edge they have because they're not looking quite the powerhouse they did last year. Cincinnati, a team that's down in the bottom field at the moment, have lost wide receiver John Ross. He's injured his shoulder. He's on IR. I think he's been placed on IR boomerang, but they're not sure if they'll be bringing him back or not, uh, which means he might be able to return after eight weeks. 
Um, so that basically means they've got Tyler Boyd and Auden Tate as their wide receiver duos. This was an offense that was already looking to be struggling, and this ain't helping. They've got to hope that AJ Green's foot magically gets better and he actually wants to play for like the one and six Bengals and not just wait until he gets out of his contract next year. Yeah, like this is pretty dire all round. John Ross, at least he had like shown a few flashes of of his kind of game breaking like ability. Still had a few drops, but at least the ones he did catch tended to be explosive plays and now you're 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 digging deep to find someone worth passing to. Tyler Boyd obviously is a solid player, probably more of a wide receiver too. And ideally an Auden Tate is like a depth chart guy who just will now be the wide receiver too in Cincinnati. Maybe Tyler Eifert can have a renaissance. Not if Andy Dalton is as inaccurate as he was this week, but uh, pretty dire all around for the Cincinnati mm. offense. Uh, they better hope that the kind of relatively good performance they had of Joe Mixon this week, they'll need to replicate that a lot if they're going to pick up any wins this year, to be honest. Mm. Yeah, I just I just had an idea pop into my head for a trade I'd like to see now, which would be quite nice. Uh, <laughs> They need wide receivers. We've got way too many of them. We need quarterbacks, and they've got a few who have been underperforming for them of late. What about is it um, Kirkpatrick? Isn't he the quarter cornerback they have? Or no, Hargreaves the third, isn't it? Yeah. Yeah, like uh, maybe which which team are you talking about? The Bengals. Oh yes, Kirkpatrick is there. Is their quarterback? Yeah. yeah, so you can maybe grab him off them and then send them up a to uh, Marcus Robinson or something like that. Someone who could you know be the a much a much more established wide receiver too type thing but uh yeah i don't know i think i think established it's a more more established than Auden tate is we'll say um yeah uh controversy quarter oh they're looking for a wide receiver stefan diggs minnesota wide receiver is looking for a new home he uh was out and vocally criticizing the team for the way that the play was getting done that he wasn't getting fed that they were you know bad plans he skipped practices during the week and i believe is being fined for those but uh, he did suit up for week five, played with the team. Not a huge amount happened. He got like three catches, 44 yards. Uh, they did go back to the passing game, but they decided to kind of not target him very much. Now, be that scheme or be that intentional, uh, you know, they had a good passing attack this week and didn't necessarily need Stefan Diggs in there to get it done. Is this yeah, a spot I, where they might I, actually be able to get draft capital out of an unhappy player? I think to be fair, like last year we saw that Adam Thielen already had better uh, production with, with Kirk Cousins than Stefan Diggs uh, really had. Like I think that's that was already kind of noted. But I think the level to which it, it's gone this year uh, was particularly bad all round. And the fact that he didn't get that much of a pickup against a bad Giants defense and when Kirk Cousins was throwing it around will obviously mean that this won't go away. I think Stefan Diggs is an incredibly talented player albeit one who likes getting paid and has agitated the past to get paid. Um, and I think, But I think the Minnesota Vikings, they see themselves as a playoff contender. They're not going to be in the business of trading away players unless they really force their hand. Um, so I imagine this is a situation where he might grump out a little bit if he doesn't get the production he wants, but I don't really see him moving at this point unless the Vikings get an offer that they can't refuse. Yeah, no, uh, I think it'll, it'll be interesting to see particularly this season it seems to be there's a lot of like players agitating to try and have more almost like an NBA style kind of like oh I just want to get out of here I don't care if I signed a deal and got a load of money or whatever I just want to be able to do it it's interesting because we've seen in one or two spots like Antonio Brown even though it didn't you know in the end work out for him like he managed to get out of his deal with 
Oakland in sign with the Patriots, which looked to be his original plan. We've seen a few others fighting for it, like, you know, Le'Veon Bell, lesser success, given he didn't maybe get the money he was expecting, but he did spend a year out with one less year wear on the tires and so on. Like, it's... um. It's an interesting one. I think there will be a, a touch point in the CBA negotiations when you see more of this happening that it might be something that they try and, and uh, focus a little bit more on like flexibility within contract terms or tradability or something along those lines. But uh, an interesting one to keep an eye on as we loom towards. Is it week eight is the trade deadline? Yes. Yeah, week eight. Okay, so well, we've got kind of three weeks left, so uh, fun times ahead. Uh, there's been no crime and punishment this week. What are they doing? Not felonies, it would appear. Uh, we did have a couple of bits and pieces of transactions. Though. Oakland have traded a 2021 fifth round to Buffalo for Zay Jones, one of Harry's old boys, if I remember correctly. He was on the Zay Jones train for a while. Uh, Oakland are shorthanded with an injury to Terrell Williams, and they just needed someone to be wide receiver there and say Jones probably be able to fit that role because he's going to be playing kind of more of a 2-3 role for them I'm guessing yeah and the usual rule with like a year ahead like if you're going a year later you can discount by a round usually so this is equivalent to like a 6th maybe even 7th round yeah. uh, pick um, so I think Zay Jones he's never really done anything in Buffalo um, obviously had a few controversies in his past so yeah. Oakland obviously not shying away from that type of he's, situation. He's, he's the one who like but put I his think, arm through a window when he was smoking like synthetic marijuana, wasn't it? Yeah, something to that effect. I'm running uh, running nude around a hotel. Video that came yeah. from his antics in a in a hotel lobby, I believe, or hotel hotel lobby. Yeah. Hotel. <laughs> um, so yeah, I think Tyrell Williams has been their only like real receiver there uh, who's done anything. Um, Darren Waller, their tight end, has been pretty effective. But yeah, I think with Tyrell Williams kind of suffering through injuries at the moment, being on and off for playing each week, let's be mm. honest, um, I think Zay Jones is just depth, really. He'll probably get some time, but I don't expect anything explosive from him. Yeah, and there's been some kicker news. Uh, New England signed Mike Nugent after Stephen Guskowski goes on an IR. He went two or two field goals and missed an extra point. Uh, they also worked out Young Ho Koo, uh, and I think he's made it onto their practice squad in Tennessee. I've signed Cody Parkey. Poor Cairo Santos uh, went 0-4 into the game. And, uh, yeah, it's unfortunate. I always like Cairo Santos. I think he's a good guy. He's a good guy. Yeah, sold on the river, yeah? Yeah. <laughs> poor fella, poor fella. Ah, well, uh, I suppose with that, we'll move on and have a look at the games from last week. So, first up, we have LA Rams at Seattle Seahawks, 29-30. Uh, Seattle win with a missed field goal at the end after a big stop on third and two. Uh, this was a very impressive game again from Wilson. Uh, I think he had four touchdowns in the game. The defense looked a little bit soft. Clowney seems to be fitting in well, but it was a little bit of a mess. And again, they just kind of didn't really use Gurley the way they used to the way that they're trying to play offense for the Rams has changed a lot uh, like obviously it's a Thursday night game so things are normally a little bit different and it's an in-division rivalry that even when one team in this in this rivalry has been poor they've been very good fighty teams like you know championship level Seahawks teams have lost to like you know seven and nine bullshit teams and so on in the history of this <laughs> So it, it can be hard to gauge where they sit. But um, this was a good win for Seattle on a short week. And uh, yeah, like interesting to see the, like, the offense looking good again, but then the defense looking maybe even softer than we were expecting them to. 
Yeah, and <clears throat> I think like the big things for Seattle right now is that they they're finally they seem to be kind of opening up the offense. They're letting Russell Wilson get going. Obviously, Russell Wilson, 13 touchdowns, zero interceptions so far this season, well into the MVP race according to the you know the milieu of Reddit and media, etc. Uh, and obviously that's really good, and they're kind of still playing the same kind of game. They're still running the ball a lot. Chris Carson had over 100 yards here again, um, and that play action, uh, like plays with with DK Metcalf and Tyler Lockett, is just a threat every down. So they have to respect that. Um, so I think I'm really, I'm, I'm actually, you know, let's 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 pour one out for Schottenheimer. He's doing he's doing all right at the moment, and he's he's, he's showing something and. I think seeing Russell Wilson actually get to dominate like he has done in the past for periods is always good to see. But I think, yeah, the defense is a bit of a worry. Like, this is a game where Seattle got an interception with, like, just nearly, like, basically coming up to the two-minute warning. And then they kind of, they ended up failing to get a third-and-two conversion, punting it away. And the defense played really soft in the two-minute situation. Basically allowed a lot of throws to the boundary, letting them get out of bounds pretty easily with easy 10, 5 to 10 yard chunks. And then they got lucky that Zerline just managed to miss um, that 44 yard field goal. And Zerline's a very, you know, very respectable kicker. So they did get very lucky there. So mm. I just think Seattle, the defense, like I expect that Pete Carroll can sort this out and get the defense up to snuff. Um, so if the offense keeps churning this out, I expect them to be competitive in the NFC West and NFC in general. As for the Rams, I think you're right. Like they're still, like I think they are still running the same offense. But it's just that um, the runs aren't working. Like it's, you know, you keep going to the run game if it works. If you're getting these 10, 15 yard chunks, and that just doesn't seem to be happening right now. Especially because the, you know, the, the middle of their line, their offensive line, just isn't the same force it was last year. Mm-hmm. Obviously, starting two rookies there makes a big difference. And Gurley, like it definitely feels like they're afraid of using Gurley too much to actually run. He was playing most of the snaps. But he only got a very limited number of touches in this game. Like he only got he got 15 carries for 51 yards. Like that's a that's like a fine stat line, but not what you'd expect from Todd Gurley no. based on last year. So I think I think we've said it before. The Rams' offense they seem to be trying to run the same system, but it's just less effective right now. And the defense is fine. It's not terrible. But it's definitely, it, it wasn't last year and it isn't this year, the kind of dominant unit that it could potentially be when you have Aaron Donald, when you have talent, and you have to, you, when you have Phillips as your way, Phillips as your defensive coordinator. So I think for the Rams, a little bit lost, but on the other hand, they are still, and they still have a winning record, so I wouldn't count them out yet by any, by any stretch. No, of course. Next up was just a one sided mess New York Jets at Philly, 6 31. Yeah, like Philly basically just choked out the Jets. Like the the offense kind of was all right. They didn't really have to do too much to be honest. Like in this game, Carson Wentz was fine, and the run game, which had been pretty terrible to be honest in the first few weeks, finally seems to be getting a little bit here. Like four point eight on average from Jordan Howard. Yeah, they've worked out the trick is run fucking Jordan Howard. Like like, sorry, the Eagles defense ten sacks. Many, many turnovers, including two, I believe, for touchdowns. They just killed Luke Falk, who's just looked way out of his depth. And, you know, the Jets, like, there's talk about, like, the Jets have less yards on offense than Christian McCaffrey at this point of the season. Le'Veon Bell is getting swamped on every play whenever they do try to get him involved. And, you know, Sam Darnold is officially back this week, as I'm sure we'll talk in the previews. 
and you know hopefully he can spark something here but based on what they've actually done on defense which has been okay uh, but their offense has been so bad I'm not sure that's going to be enough to turn them into anything maybe like they'll pick up a couple more wins because Darnold's there but it doesn't seem like they're anywhere the contender they no. thought they might be when they came into this season no it's uh, it's dead in the water let's be honest uh, Jacksonville at Carolina 27 to 34 uh, yeah, as you mentioned there, Christian McCaffrey just had a hell of a game. Uh, he's having a hell of a season, to be honest. He'd be, he'd be the lead on my uh, MVP if we were voting this week at this point. 19 carries, 176 yards, 6 receptions for 61 yards, 3 touchdowns. Like, they just couldn't do anything with him. Even though they knew the ball was going to him, they just couldn't do anything to stop him. Uh, he was pretty much his Carolina offense in this game. Minshew still looked great, fun. He, he had... Three over 350 yards, two touchdowns, and nice connection with DJ Chark. Leonard Fournette looked good, but the defense came a bit more down to earth. Like we said, they just couldn't. This is meant to be a good, strong, hard tackling defense at all three levels, and they were just getting destroyed by this white boy. Like it was just like, <laughs> yeah. yeah, like like they're they're fun to watch. There's a chance there, but he took like a couple of defenders out. It was pretty pretty hilarious to be honest. Like, you know the secondary is pretty thin right now, obviously with Jalen Ramsey on the sideline, um, but this didn't involve going over them. They went right through them, Car- like Carolina, mm-hmm. and they made it look really easy, like uh, like an a- like a couple of really long carries, including an 80-yard touchdown for run CMC. It was just, yeah, it, it's got to be worrying for Jacksonville, which, you know, despite the Minshew magic, it's supposed to be a defensive-orientated team to get absolutely obliterated this way. Uh, I think the one positive is that the offense has been way better than we expected. Yeah. Minshew Magic in full effect against the Carolina defense, which in early innings has been one of the Good, best yeah. in the league based on the statistics. Um, he got two touchdowns, 374 yards. DJ Chark just seems to get yards no matter what. And, you know, like the only question now for Jacksonville is like Nick Foles, he'll be back. Uh, they're hoping around week eight, week nine. Can you pull Magic Minshew if he continues to do this kind of work? I don't think you can. It's going to be really difficult to do so. There was there, there uh, was one uh, thing that I thought was quite fun out of this game. There was uh, some reports from some of the teammates in Carolina that uh, they'd never seen it done this this often before. Apparently, Carolina just ran the same play about seven or eight times in this game because they, even though it was the exact same play from the exact same formation each time, they just couldn't stop. Yeah, like Greg Olson was busy laughing about that after the game. It's it's got to be a bit of a worry because like you look at the coaching ticket for the Jacksonville Jaguars, it's not filled with people that fill me with hope. So um, I think to a certain extent they might be getting their asses saved by by Minchie right now because everything else on the team besides him and I suppose Fournette is a little bit softer than we would hope. Um, but uh, also one other thing I, I am pushing towards making the new anthem for the Jaguars, that uh, moustache song that the, the French had oh, yes. a few years ago. Yeah, I, I want to have a moustache. That was a great song. Ah, and, that's uh, brilliant. It could definitely be repurposed for, for Jacksonville fans, in my opinion. No, of course, of course. Uh, next up, <laughs> Minnesota, the New York Giants. Again, a bit of a one-sided one, 28 to 10. We mentioned a bit of this in the in the news section. Cousins did stuff in this game. 22-27, 300 yards, two touchdowns. Just kept hitting Adam Thielen. He had 130 yards. And I think it was both those touchdowns. Uh, Cook went off like he seems to be doing pretty much every week for over 200 yards. Like, they looked good. They didn't look world-beating. But, you know, this Giants defense leaves a lot to be desired. Um, 
they were missing their top two running backs at this point. Well, they're 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 only running back, and then their first backup really is uh, yeah. is where it is. They are also missing uh, some of their uh, some of their wide receivers and tight ends got hurt, so they're going to be even more short staffed next week. So there's some some talk about the Danny Dime type dying down. I still think he did an okay job with a piss poor cast around him, and like we've seen this Minnesota defense do well in spots they do have talent in it so uh it's not the worst but i think it's gonna get it's gonna get nastier before it gets better because i think even though they've got back uh golden tate i think there's like evan ingram is now injured sterling shepherd is now injured and questionable like they're 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 gonna have less weapons going into next week and they are playing on a short week at new england like it's just not getting nicer for them. But yeah, not much in this game apart from Minnesota's offense look to work, but I don't know if that's their offense working or the Giants' defense just being the Giants' defense. Um, Atlanta, Houston was uh, an interesting one. I think this was... Uh, yeah, I think this was Scorigami. Yeah, this was Scorigami, so that means the score has never happened in the history of the NFL as far as we know. Um, and to be honest, it wasn't... Like, there was a lot of scoring, but it was a surprisingly... It was a surprising bit of a non-event despite that. Like, Atlanta kind of kept it close up to halftime, but in the second half, as they want to do, they simply just seemed to stop trying. Um, like, they, like Matt Ryan is putting up lots of yards this season, but they're so empty. Like, he's getting them in garbage time, he's getting them when they don't matter, and he's managing to make, like, throw plenty of picks while he's doing that at the same time. Like, 330... Three touchdowns, one interception looks good on paper, but the way he play, he's playing right now, the mistakes he's making, like the statistics look a lot better than he's actually. He's, he's playing. Kurt Cousining. Like I, yeah, he's cousining, and like I get it. There's no run game at the moment. Like Devontae Freeman is doing nothing on the ground, and he just made it similar. Um, so that's fine. And the defense is just so so soft. Um, and I think you know you get an indication of where this Atlanta team is based on the last turnover in this game, where basically Houston got a touchdown when there's no way they should have got that touchdown. Basically, offensive linemen, other guys were just giving up on the field when they could have tackled the guy. Um, and I think for Houston, we, we kind of know what they are, a very inconsistent team, but in this game, Deshaun Watson and Will Fuller just lit the Atlanta secondary on fire. 426 yards, five touchdowns for Deshaun, 217, three touchdowns of that coming from Fuller. Um, and the OL, it seems to be getting better, and that's a huge, huge improvement for Houston. If they can get decent OL play, then Deshaun Watson, Fuller, and the Hopkins are going to mm. do some nasty stuff to this league. The defense continues to underwhelm again, but uh, yeah. definitely Houston are one of those teams you have to consider as they have the they have the ability to definitely compete in the AFC. Oh yeah, they and they're getting they're get, they're getting a they're getting a Kansas City team next week that are weakened at the spots where they're strong. So they've got good pass rushers, and our offensive line has been like warm butter. Like they've improved their offensive line, and we're missing three of the starters off our front four. Like it's 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 matching up well for them. Next up, we have Tampa Bay and New Orleans, twenty four to thirty one. Teddy Bridgewater looked good in this one. Uh, like four touchdowns and one interception a lot of nice deep balls that we hadn't seen from him in a long time maybe not since college let's be honest that minnesota team he was playing on weren't exactly bombing it uh thomas went back to looking like a proper number one receiver two touchdowns nearly 200 yards Um, the tampa bay offense fits and sputters sometimes good sometimes bad they're gonna make mistakes like we always say um evans was essentially a non-factor in the game 
He was handled quite well by the New Orleans uh, DBs. And Arians, I think, was calling them out after the game as well, saying they were soft and not doing their job right. So, like, this is a very good result for New Orleans. And it's a very good result for Teddy Bridgewater because he's kind of... A couple of performances like this make the case for him being a starter next year or getting an extension to be the replacement after Breeze. Yeah, like this is another feather in the cap of the Sean Payton for Coach of the Year campaign. Like the fact that they're three and zero after losing Drew Breeze is amazing. And this is the first year where you felt like it wasn't just the defense dragging them along. Teddy Bridgewater looked like a legitimate, like you know, starting quarterback in the NFL. And I think we've, we've said a lot about this Tampa Bay defense. Very strong up front, good linebackers, but their secondary, their cornerbacks and safeties in particular, uh, sorry, their, their cornerbacks in particular, very, very questionable. And I think we saw here that Sean Payton, you know, he's got the offensive mind like to recognize what I've already recognized, and he made a game plan that completely exposed them. I think the fact that Bruce Arians came out, as you say, afterwards and called, Basically, calling out his defense and particularly his secondary as soft gives you an idea that like these guys are going to have to buck up, no pun intended, if they <laughs> want to be actually contenders in the NFC side. Like they've had obviously they had a great game against the Rams last week, but if they just keep having this inconsistency on defense, and particularly if Jameis Winston continues to throw you know picks, which he is wont to do, then it's just hard to take Tampa Bay seriously as a contender. Like I think they'll still be fun to watch. But as a genuine contender, much no. more questionable. Yeah. Uh, Buffalo at Tennessee, 14-7. Ugh, ugh, ugh. Josh <laughs> Allen... as we expected. <laughs> Pardon? Yeah, it was. like Josh Allen, conservative, bleh, like 200-odd yards like passing. <laughs> like, Tennessee, just like getting down the field and missing a field goal seemed to be what was happening half the time in this game. Um, yeah, just neither looked particularly good. Good defences, we'll give them that, but like, yeah, a terrible game, not one to go back and watch. Uh, moving on, Arizona at Cincinnati, 26-23. to 23. Uh, They nearly lost this one in the end, Ronan. Yeah, like Arizona had no right to, to be, you know, in a situation where they needed uh, a late field goal to win this game, and especially because Zane Gonzalez had already missed a, a field, a, a, like a gimme field goal already in this game. Mm-hmm. Like, Arizona were pretty much dominant in the first half. They were able to run the ball down their throat through David Johnson and Kyler Murray. And, you know, they got some yards through the air as well. But I think Kyler Murray, he maybe because the way the offense isn't working as expected on the cliff, they're having to rely on him running it a lot. 10, 10 carries for 93 yards, that's a lot for a quarterback. Uh, Cincinnati did nothing for three quarters. They went, uh, this defense is really bad. Why don't we just like throw it? And they did, and they got back up to you know, 23-23, and then the defense shipped the bed against Arizona, and they won. It's just like, you know, this is a game with a last-minute field goal, and we're not even interested in talking about it because these two teams are both irrelevant probably at the end of the year, and they're both kind of just stewing in their own kind of failed experiments right now. A lot more we need to see from these teams before they weren't really considering uh, in any depth. Yeah, these, these, these are two teams that are going to be teams that might get picked over around week seven or eight for trade pieces to set up the following year. Uh, next, New England and Washington, another awful game, 33-7. to New England like didn't really do much in this game. They're obviously holding back their playbook. They were only up 12-7 at the half, but just destroyed them. Like, Washington are terrible. Colt McCoy is terrible. I think he threw for like 110, 120 yards. No touchdowns and interception. 
a like a worthy ending to a poor show. Actually, no. This is this is actually this was worse than would be fair to say is the ending to 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 Gruden's <laughs> career. There, this was worse than that, and he's not had a good career. So yeah, nothing to learn here at all, apart from New England have by a country mile the softest schedule in the fucking world. You see, by actually, no, no, but they, but they also did. You see, they did like they did the the metric on this. So, um, given the win percentages at this point in the season, right? For not just the plans that they've played, but the rest of the teams, this is by a distance the easiest schedule in the history of the NFL, (laughs) uh, which is just remarkable. Yeah, let's move to an actually interesting game: Baltimore Pittsburgh. Yeah, that's better. 26-23 in overtime. Baltimore get a field goal from Justin Tucker in overtime. Uh, like Pittsburgh, like I said, this is a very ticky-tacky, hitty, injury kind of nasty game. Uh, I don't think either of us expected to be this close going into it, to be honest. Like Baltimore's defense is meant to be good, but they were getting torn apart by backups and third stringers. And like they couldn't stop James Conner whenever they wanted to actually do stuff. Like... This game doesn't make me feel any better about Pittsburgh. I still think that they're in the doldrums. It makes me wonder if Baltimore are good enough to be a wildcard. Yeah, like I think the one big positive for Pittsburgh is that I think the defense is still playing well. They haven't given up on the season. And, you know, even Minkin Fitzpatrick, who they got, he didn't do as much this week, but he's obviously... I think they're, they're willing to invest their defense. That is obviously kind of the historical identity of the Steelers. And they're kind of leaning in onto that. And, you know, Rudolph and Hodges and Connor are getting enough that if the defense can do this against the kind of lesser lights of the league, then they can definitely continue to rack up enough wins to maybe be in, like, the lower end of the wildcard hunt around week 10 or so, um, week 10, 11, 12, when, when things get serious. But, yeah, I think the major concern from this game is that Baltimore look like after annihilating two tomato cans in week one and two have looked a lot slower since then they sneak away a game here i think for lamar jackson in particular he was forcing the ball into a lot of places he shouldn't have been particularly to mark andrews and he got punished three times with three interceptions this game um still continues to be a weapon on the ground but i think given that the d is nowhere where we expect a baltimore defense to be uh, there's a lot more pressure on his shoulders and you know, I still think they're good enough to probably, you know, take the AFC North, but are they good enough to go anywhere further than that against the leading lights in the AFC? AFC? Right now, they just seem to have more questions and answers in many ways. Yeah, uh, that whole that whole division is a mess at the moment. Uh, Chicago at Oakland. This is the London game, the first one that's held in the new Tottenham Hotspur Stadium that looked fantastic, I might add, on the telly. And it, from all the reports you're hearing from anyone, I think one or two of our mates were actually down at the game and uh, said it was great. Oakland had a big massive comeback in this one after kind of basically making a ball to the first half. Uh, Josh Jacobs, their rookie running back, looked great. Nearly 150 yards, I think two touchdowns in it. Uh, if, if I told you coming into this game that one team would have no QB hits, sacks or whatever, he's like... You wouldn't guess it would be the Chicago team. Um, like I, I said this in the in, in in our preview last week. Like Chase Daniels is an okay backup. Chase Daniels is not a starting quarterback. So he's going to make those mistakes, and I didn't think he'd be able to carry a full game. Now they came back into this one, but like it's just yeah, like this. Yeah, like, oh. 
Yeah. Oakland deserves to win this game. I think that's the major thing to take away. Oakland, by every metric, should have won this game. The fact that they had to come back at the end of it to kind of sneak the win is more a reflection that, despite the fact that there are certain things that you can actually like about this Oakland team, they are still very much prone to the boneheaded mistake, whether that's you know continuing to play certain linebackers who are now suspended, or in this game, doing a kind of... Uh, like doing. <laughs> One of the most interestingly, like one of the most interesting failed handoffs to running back, wasn't it? Yeah, it was a, just a swing pass. I uh, just lobbing it, Derek Carr lobbing it past Josh Jacobs, setting up an easy turnover for the Chicago Bears. But to be honest, beside the gimme of that, the Chicago Bears didn't do anything. No sacks, obviously, uh, in this case. And I think you know Josh Jacobs obviously ran all over them, and Derek Carr doesn't keep the ball for very long. And so the Khalil Mack revenge game that we were maybe expecting didn't really come to fruition. And I think for Chicago, we know it's a team that really needs to keep you basically below 17, 20 points or so to win games. And I think we saw here, and that's even with Trubisky, let's be honest, I think we saw here the limits of that system if the defense isn't where it needs to be. And uh, like maybe there's a template here that other teams will follow going forward. Chicago might fall off a bit in NFC North. Yeah, and uh, next up, Denver at the LA Chargers, 20-13. Um, yeah, like, Denver finally get their rewards for their boring but solid work, even if Flacco keeps turning the ball over. Um, Philip Lindsay looked good for them, which is nice, and the pass offense is fine. Like, Emmanuel Sanders, Curtis Sutton, actually are doing pretty well. I think, as we said before, Denver's statistics have been okay, and they've been a bit unlucky. Uh, it's just not very fun to watch. I think the bigger thing from this, though, is that, you know, the Chargers, I know they're dealing with a huge amount of injuries, and, you know, Melvin Gordon came back, obviously. I'm sorry, we hear this every year. I'm not giving them away with this injury thing. If if injuries are what are causing this every single year, then they need to change something else fundamentally about how they play the game. Yeah, I think, like, we saw, like, their defense is fine, but it's not elite. And I think, you know, the offense is just so reliant now on Philip Rivers, like, throwing, you know passes to Eckler and him saving him and then hoping that Keenan Allen gets open that you know it's just not really sustainable Rivers had a really bad game let's be honest here and I think Denver you know they're they're one and four they're not going to be competitive let's be honest but I think they're a kind of team that at least with this win they might be willing to work going forward and they won't just collapse in on themselves and so that's nice for them I suppose yeah uh, Green Bay Dallas 34 to 24 Aaron Jones was brilliant in this 182 yards, four touchdowns. They just decided we're going to run it on Dallas this whole time. Uh, Rodgers was grand, nothing special. Uh, and yeah, they just kind of had their defense do their job to, to seal the game out towards the back end. The Dallas offense like just didn't look all that special, to be honest. Like we, we, we mentioned a couple of weeks ago, like this is a team who's looking at paying top running back money for the top offensive line contracts, probably looking at one of the top three quarterback contracts and then a top wide receiver contract to keep like, you know, the 24th best offense in the league together kind of thing. Like it's, it's good when it works and it has worked in games, but it just looks to be not clicking right at the moment at all. Yeah, and the defense was a little bit shaky, especially as... You know, Van Der Esch was missing all over Jones the shop in this game. Um, and like, uh, like, if you look at the stat lines, Dallas looked they, like they have lots of numbers. Amari Cooper had a big game, but um, a lot of that was in garbage time. 
Dak Prescott made a lot of mistakes here. And I think the, the one question is maybe, I know they have this new Kellen Moore offense, very nice in the first few weeks. Maybe they need to go back a little bit into the traditional Dallas playbook, give Zeke a few more carries, establish the run, and let Dak Prescott do maybe more of a play-action type offense, which is more his speed. Like, if you only get 12 carries for 62 yards to Ezekiel Elliott, and a lot of those were in the second like half, the actual yards came, you've got to be worried that Dallas... You know, after looking good early on, that they may be falling off from being a genuine contender um, in the NFC. Yeah, I think this is going to be an interesting one. I think this is where we're going to see whether Kellen Moore had a good idea and came into the league, or whether he has the ability to constantly adapt that to keep it fresh and to and to see if he could actually have longevity, or whether he needs more practice. Because all this talk of instantly like, oh, well, maybe they'll look at him for the head coach next year or whatever. Like, it's it's seeing whether he can adapt to keeping that offense going in new and interesting directions. It'll be important. Uh, the Sunday night game, Indianapolis at Kansas City. This was a big surprise. 19-13, to 13, Indianapolis came out the victors in this. Uh, Indy did a great job of keeping the ball out of... Pat Mahomes' hands, I believe at one point in the second half of the second half, they had had 17 and a half minutes of possession and the Chiefs had had three, which uh, kind of says a lot about how they were, how effective they were at doing that. The Chiefs' defense looked very poor. We were just allowing them to run on them constantly. As we mentioned earlier, there was a lot of injuries to that team, uh, to that side of the ball. But equally, this is a 4-3 that's meant to be targeting in on stopping the run and was just failing, failing, failing to do that. Uh, but the thing that was to give credit for is the Indianapolis were really executing quite well. They were keeping the balance there to make sure that they couldn't just hone in on them entirely. We saw some good moves from Brissett, making use of space whenever there was uh, space open for him to move into. Um, the Chiefs' offense looked okay like if you watch the highlights of this it looks like a traditional game of just like oh there's still some incredible passes by Mahomes a lovely touchdown to Pringle and stuff like that but it looked like like they almost didn't run in this game full stop right it was a bit ridiculous the way that that went and it meant that the guys were able to hone in on defense play a lot more man because they don't have to respect the run but also Everything that was happening was deep developing passes. There was only one screen pass that I can remember from the entire game. And if you've got your quite weakened offensive line being destroyed by the by the by the opposition's defensive line, and your quarterback is limping and not as mobile as he was beforehand, stop calling seven fucking seven step drops and trying to get him to hoof it 25 yards. And Andy Reid has gotten drunk on the beauty that is Pat Mahomes' deep ball and has forgotten <laughs> how to coach a game. Like, the only times he ran it were the world's most obvious run out of our own end zone on second down after he did a terrible passway beforehand. And then to try and pick up the first down on fourth and one when everyone knew he was going to fucking run it. Like... There needs to be a redress of the balance. And these games happen every year with Andy Reid. He'll make a balls of a game plan. And he needs to get back to having the run in there because the only way he can get them out of that man coverage that has been causing the issues and to open up some of those quick developing routes is to run the ball and force them out of their safety zone. If you run the ball eight or nine times in a game, no one is going to cover or respect the run. Yeah, and uh, I think we joked last week about... Andy Reid telling them let them eat clock well Indianapolis they ate the clock they ate it good oh yeah and we know that offensive line has become one of the strengths of that team and 
Marlon Mack uh, punished you in this game. Like I think, like I think there is a, a like a little bit of hype over does man coverage defeat Patrick Mahomes? Probably not unless you have the kind of skill set to do so. But and I think once Tyreek Hill and Sammy Watkins are healthy, that will make it a lot harder to do that. But yeah, certainly in the injured state that the team is of running back and wide receiver. Yeah, man up, push them, like, you know, man up, like, press them, yeah. make them work. And, yeah, you can slow down the offense. But uh, as we saw with the Byron Pingle t- touchdown, I wouldn't I wouldn't rely on keeping Kansas City to less than, like, 20 points uh, every week uh, going mm-hmm. forward. Well, this is the only game in the Mahomes era that they haven't scored at least 26 points. <laughs> yeah, so if you can just run the ball mm-hmm. forever, then, yes, you can win yeah. games in against fact, Patrick Mahomes. It, it, it's, like, it's like that kind of... Uh, you know, Madden or, or like NCAA cheese where you just set the clock to run when you have a bad team yeah. just so that they have less time to do anything on their side. Exactly, yeah. Um, finally, oh God, yeah, I'll cover this one off quickly. Cleveland at San Francisco, 3-31. to San Francisco, like, just used the ground game and sacked him a lot, took some interceptions. Jimmy G didn't have to do fuck in this game. He was he was basically just said, like, train wheels, just chill out in the corner. Uh, the Browns looked awful. Baker was benched. He had like a hundred yards and two interceptions. It was awful, absolutely, yeah, like, abjectly awful. Freddie Kitchens like, is in way over his head. Like yeah, it's just a situation where you know Cleveland had trickery. Like their first play was an OBJ to Landry Troll. San Francisco have fundamentals and that trashed them. I think the only thing that people remember about this game is the maybe briefly is the Richard Sherman Baker Mayfield handshake gate where Richard Sherman said that Baker Mayfield didn't respect him didn't shake his hand and then video was immediately released from the internet showing that he did shake his hand and now Richard Sherman is is walking it all back really quickly so yeah he's saying he's saying that no it's that he didn't shake his hand a second time or something isn't it yeah like we know Sherman he's a little bit uh, he's got his own opinions about things but Mm. uh yeah, that's the only thing of note from this game. The game itself was just such a rout. And just play good football and you win. Yeah, no, of course. We'll take a quick run over and have a look at one or two questions from the listeners. So the first one comes in and says, what would the Mazungus have to offer you for you to take the job of head coach? Like, the realistic answer is, almost anything, I'd kind of like to be a head coach. But equally, I like... I don't think I'd want to be within 50 foot of that organization uh, ever. Yeah, like if, if you get like a five-year, 20 million guaranteed contract like Jay Gruden got, then, you know, as long as, long as any contract you got was fully guaranteed, I wouldn't be uh, too yeah. unhappy. I'll I'm sorry, like, I take, uh, I take a, a five-year, $2 million contract that's fully guaranteed. Like, I don't care. Maybe like 100,000 Dolphins tickets. That's probably worth like 20 quid or something, right? Like, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> well, you can have... Uh, you can have 15,000 tickets to each home game and then you can have the revenue from that you're like oh no terrible yeah I, I wouldn't want the job and I can't think of why anyone in the league would like do, do you get an awful sense of like oh it's going to happen this is where Hugh Jackson will land I think even even this organisation wouldn't be stupid enough to do that I imagine if they can't get one of their preferred names like Tomlin or Lincoln Riley They'll probably just get a no-namer, basically go to Cincinnati way and, you know, whatever. They'll see if he can Maybe bring Dwayne Haskins to being a starter-level quarterback. That's basically the project they'll have once they're brought in. See if you can get the year. head coach of Samford to come over and join them. <laughs> um, 
Okay, the next one is who deserves a fresh start pre-trade deadline? So is there anyone we can think of that would make a lot of sense to swap? We'll probably do a bigger part on this in the next week or two as we come closer to the trade deadline. Um, It's it's an obvious one and it kind of leans into what we're just talking about there. But uh, Trent Williams probably just need, like they have, like Jay Gruden's gone, your, your season's over. Just let Trent Williams go. I know he's a great left tackle, just let him go. He doesn't want to play for your team. You fucked them over by, you know, not like potentially, you know, allowing him to get really sick. Uh, just let him go. Just stop him. Don't, 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 don't trap him in your, in your, in your horrible prison forever. Yeah, I don't know. I'm, I'm trying to think of like, is there someone who does like, as we say, deserves a fresh start? Like, I don't know. There's, is there anywhere is it like kind of buried depth chart stuff? Like maybe let one or two of the like running backs in San Francisco out of that stable because there's no way to feed like all 12 of them however <laughs> many they've got um, yeah I, I, I don't know I'll have a think about it like there's a few ones I could think that would be nicer that I enjoy to see but yeah. um, Atlanta would be an obvious place lots of talented players maybe maybe allow a few of them to get a fresh start I think yeah. particularly some of the defenders that they have they could definitely do it being somewhere else, in my opinion. Actually, hold on. I, I forgot. There's an obvious answer to this. Let Larry Fitzgerald go to a team that's going to win a fucking Super Bowl. <laughs> uh, yeah, they probably Not should. the Patriots, like, but, you know, someone, someone else. Then go to New England. That is, his, that is the natural place to bring Larry if he's going to win a Super Bowl. Ugh, put gosh. him in New England. That's not, but I really like Larry. I'd hate to have to boo him, though. <laughs> um... And we have a final question, and it said, uh, did you like the most recent episode of Ballers? Yeah, I thought it was great. Uh, looking forward. I'm not sure if the next episode or the episode afterwards is the finale, but uh, it's really built into something. I think it's the finale this week, but uh, The Rock declares war on the league after you know getting all the, all the credit for signing up Mahomes. Oh, uh, yeah. For those who didn't listen to recent episodes, um, the Rock is the owner slash GM of the Kansas City Chiefs in the Ballers universe. Yeah. The, the thing that I really liked about this one is... He an excuse to shit on the league because they don't want to give health insurance to players. Yeah. I uh, think The Rock has a good point. He kind of uh, does, to be honest. Uh, and the, 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 the one that I quite enjoyed in this one was that uh, they let him film at Chiefs training camp. So they're actually like down there and he's like just wandering around as like fights are breaking out in the training camp and he's trying to get like Mahomes' agent on the phone. It's such beautiful ridiculousness. It's uh, it's so stupid, but I love it. We'll miss you. We'll miss you, ballers. Oh, yeah. Uh, okay, we'll move on to looking at our picks for next week. Okay, so first up, uh, Giants at New England. Not even a point in talking about this. New England's Giants are banged up. New England are great. Short week there at home. Yeah, like, there's no reason. Yeah, uh, I think, like, New England are a bit more questionable than they looked maybe early on, but it's, yeah. Without Saquon or Gallman, I expect them to shut them. Or on Shepard, they're going to shut them down pretty hard. And possibly Ingram as well. <laughs> uh, Carolina, Tampa Bay. I've gone from Carolina and you've gone for Tampa Bay. This yeah, like, I think Tampa Bay are you know the slot machine of NFL teams, so I'm I'm, I'm betting it all, baby. But <laughs> I do think there is a good matchup here for Tampa Bay. Like we know the secondary is very questionable, but we do know their front seven is effective at stopping the run game. And Carolina right now, their entire offense is Christian McCaffrey. Save us, please. You're our only hope. Yeah. Um, so. 
Like, I think, like, the Tampa Bay defense, like, offense will make mistakes. I expect Jameis Winston to throw at least one pick in this game. Mm-hmm. Uh, I expect it to be a bit of a mad game, to be honest. Lots of mistakes, lots of turnovers, uh, especially if, if the, uh, Kyle Allen is forced to throw the ball a lot more because Christian McCaffrey is bottled up a bit. Uh, so I just think for Tampa, like, it's, it's a bit of a shit-shoot game. I think Carolina right now are probably playing a bit better, but I think just Tampa Bay have that maybe match-up advantage that I give them a little bit of an edge here. But... Uh, Trusting Tampa Bay is always a bit of a, a bit of a risk, so we'll see how it works out for me. But yeah. it should be a fun game at least, especially one, especially to keep in contact with the New Orleans Saints who managed to keep winning despite not being a quarterback. Yeah, of course. Um, I'm thinking Carolina; they've been good. I, I'm not betting against the guy who I think is the the current MVP of the league, like because <laughs> uh, I also think that Tampa Bay are whiffy, and I just don't trust them. I think they, I, th- I think it'll be a great game, though. Uh, speaking of the opposite of that, uh, the Mizuku's at Miami, the tank bowl, the, the 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 organic fish tank bowl. The, oh the tank bowl. Both teams tanking so God. hard. Who can tank the other? I've gone for Miami. Um, I've gone for the Mizungus. I was actually going to go for for the Miami for the, for the fish tank, but uh, I think this week the Mizungus will try to just do a really conservative game plan. Lots of Adrian Peterson, lots of uh, West Coast type offense passing. And I think Miami's defense is bad enough that that might be sufficient to win this. And I think like the Mizungus, like their defense has severely underperformed. But I think we saw against New England that they do have a bit of talent there and maybe if they get a bit of a fill-up from their you know, interim head coach that they can overwhelm the uh, you know, frankly awful Miami Dolphins but uh, yeah this thing though I, These teams are just I, actually, so I actually think that Washington might be a worse team than Miami is like yeah, this is the thing and Miami are at home and yeah and it would be the most Miami thing to intentionally tank a season and then like to win a game against another tanking team like yeah it's just oh it's good I'm, I'm gonna want to watch the highlights just for the car crashiness of it because it's just gonna be <laughs> awful um i'd love if the nfl just did a thing where they released a highlight for them but it's just the coin toss and then they just cut it off so that's 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 the high point of the game first uh, nil nil tie in nfl history oh god uh, uh, new orleans and jacksonville we've both got from new orleans yeah, like there's every reason to believe Jacksonville could win this game. But I was torn. I was half thinking about just, it. They're good at winning right now. Doesn't matter if they have Drew Brees, they keep on winning. Um, so I think both of us could see this as a very close game, and there's reasons to believe in Minshew magic, but uh, New Orleans magic right now is just stronger. Yeah, Cincinnati and Baltimore both got for Baltimore. Cincinnati are just fucked at the moment, essentially. Mixon is good, and Eifert occasionally has a game. But their quarterback is bad. Their offensive line is bad. There's, there's nothing to like about that. Baltimore are sloppy, but this should be an easy home win for them. Seattle, Cleveland. We've both gone for Seattle. Um, I liked Seattle. I've been kind of on the bandwagon. I've, I've, I've picked them more often than you have at this point. Um, yeah, I just said Cleveland are dog shit. Yeah, like I think, as we saw, like Cleveland, they're a little bit over-reliant on either mistakes from the opposing team like we saw against Baltimore and on their own offense a lot of trickery a lot of screen passes a lot of like like, like OBJ trick plays stuff like that but there's no consistency there I think Seattle like they, they definitely have issues with dealing with the fundamentals of defense but I think like their linebacker core Bobby Wagner KJ Wright are 
elite level defenders and sniffing out that kind of trickery and snuffing the hell out of it and I yeah. think Russell Wilson is just on fire right now so I expect them to put up enough points that even if Cleveland do get something going that I don't think they'll they'll have enough to overcome that level of uh, scoring from yeah, Seattle. Yeah, I'm the same. I just that's the thing. Like the Seattle offense looks like it can actually go on scoring fest, and they're kind of letting that happen this time around instead of just hey, let's run it 85 percent of the time and yeah. hope for the best. Miles Garrett will sack Russell Wilson, uh, you know, two or three times, but. Sure, that's the Seahawks' life. Ah, yeah, hundred <laughs> uh, percent. Given given how Baker was playing, I'd imagine the clown he's gonna suddenly make it look like he's really, really earning that one year contract. Uh, Philly at Minnesota. We both gone for Philly. Minnesota are playing a team that's uh, an over five hundred team. <laughs> Simple as. Yes, that is that is Q, yeah QED. But like Philly are playing well despite the injuries that they're kind of getting through, and Minnesota. Um, we know what they need to do they'll need to run the ball heavy even this week against the Giants when they could pass they still needed the running game to kind of keep them steady and I think Philly have just shown on defense that they're good at at being solid despite the issues that they have Yeah, Philly are just better at winning no they are 100% uh, next up I've literally just changed my pick on this one Houston to Kansas City I've swapped to Houston uh I think we're going to drop another game, and I think all the media is going to explode over it. I think it's going to be a really exciting game. I think it's going to be high scoring, but we have Swiss cheese in our offensive line at the moment. They have a very good pass rush, and Pat Mahomes is not fully mobile. I'm hoping Andy Reid can game plan up around that and stuff, and possibly the return of Hill will be good. But equally, Deshaun Watson is lethal from the pocket, and our... Two nose tackles are missing. We're allowing the run the whole time. The only person on that line that's going to cause any pressure is Frank Clark, and he hasn't been living up to his contract at all. Like, our corners are not good with the exception of uh, Honey Badger, and he's mostly showing up whenever they just... he, he He's normally good for about a sack a game at this point already. But, like, yeah, I just... I think that this is going to be a really, really high-scoring game like a lot of the ones that we saw on primetime last year with the Chiefs. And I yeah. think our defense is going to come up short. Not massively short, but that it's going to come up short in a in a big spot and we're going to lose just ever so slightly. Although I yeah. might I might flip this by the time it comes back around to it. But, uh, <laughs> but yeah. I think you've gone in depth there. Like I suppose I'm picking the Chiefs because they have Pat Mahomes and I'm picking against Houston because they have Bill O'Brien. So... That's the um, thing. I'm also yeah, I, the, Andy Reid normally doesn't the, fuck up twice. What they have respectively, you have a good reason to pick Houston. I suppose. Yeah, Andy Reid might just scheme it up well. I suppose. I don't know. I'll, I'll think about this further. <laughs> I might swap before the end. Uh, okay, uh, Atlanta at Arizona. Yeah. Uh, hmm. Like we're, we're we're picking Atlanta out of obligation just because Arizona are so bad. But could Atlanta sync up so bad? Oh yeah, they definitely as could. Consistent as Arizona. Yeah, yeah, I could see it. I, I, I actually, I, I, I was about, I was, I was literally about to say, oh, we've both picked Arizona, and it's like, no, we've both picked Atlanta. But I'm actually okay with that. I just, I don't care about this game at all. Yeah, like, yeah, who cares? Yeah, Atlanta. San Francisco at the Rams. I've gone for San Francisco. You've gone for the Rams. This is my pick of the week. I think San Fran have looked good. I'm intrigued to see them being tested against a proper team here, because uh, a lot of the stuff they've played has been shite. But equally, I love the pass rush that's coming from San Fran and what their defense is looking like. And I think the Rams' offense is not looking as strong as it was. They don't have the run game they had beforehand. And I think that 
Sam Fran are going to be able to dial up because they've got those four or five rotational pass rushes they're going to be able to dial up really interesting stuff to fuck with the Rams and I don't think the Rams are going to be able to get out of it I think they're I think it's going to be a very entertaining game I'm looking forward to watching it but I can't see the Rams doing it yeah I think the Rams will need to lean heavily on their kind of quick uh, passing game I think they won't be relying too much on Brandon Cooks in this game. I think it's just like Cooper Cup over the middle. Gerald Everett, I think, will be involved as much as he was last week. Uh, and I expect that, yeah, they're going to have to get the ball out of their hands quick. If Jared Goff dilly-dallies in the, in, in the pocket, he's going to get hit a lot. It's going to hurt. Uh, but I do think like the, the, the linebackers and the secondary, with the exception of Richard Sherman, isn't that good for San Francisco. So I do think there will be opportunities to throw mm. over them. Uh, because that Salah defense from the Seattle tree has always been a bit soft for those like like those uh, short intermediate routes, and I think the Rams have the game plan to maybe take advantage of that. But yeah, it's a, you know San Francisco certainly picking them based on what they've done so far is more than legitimate. Yeah, like the thing is, I don't think they're world leaders. I don't think they're the t- like the cream of the crop stuff. But like, yeah, I just I I'm really down on the Rams at this point. Uh, Tennessee at Denver. We also disagree here. I've gone for Denver. You've gone for Tennessee. Who cares about this game? Let's be honest. I don't. Like, I'm picking Tennessee because they're. They're probably they're probably due like the win because I think they're like they lost a couple of games so now they have to get a game back because they're Tennessee and they can't win or lose more than like two or three games in a row. Yeah. Uh, Denver are solid, but I just yeah like I'm not going to trust Denver because I think Tennessee's defense will get a turnover or two from Flacco and they'll probably get enough points from that just to get it going. And like Cody Parkey can't be worse than Cairo Santos, right? Hmm. I think like yeah. Denver, Denver looked all right last week, like kind of boring but all right. Uh, Tennessee are boring and less all right, and Denver yeah. at home. I like I don't care. I I don't. I think from next week onwards we're gonna stop covering all the games as well because I really couldn't be arsed reviewing some of these. Dallas at New York Jets. We both gone for Dallas. New York are terrible. Dallas are decent. Uh, it is traveling a long way across the thing, but like yeah, Sam Darnold returning from like uh like kissy disease spine a spleen explosion is probably <laughs> like not the best thing here um yeah yeah like uh yeah even if Darnold is back but i expect him to be slow and they'll be conservative on early on but uh, if jets do manage to win this then huge change in the respective morale of both these teams yeah 100 uh, percent I kind of love the Jets doing it to be honest, but I just I'm not sure. Actually, they're um they're tight ends back, isn't he Herndon? Yeah, Chris Herndon. Yeah. yeah. So he might, you know, like I wouldn't count the Jets out completely because they have Darnold back, but I, you still have to pick Dallas because they have more talent all over the team. Yeah. Um, and like like honestly, the next game Pittsburgh at the LA Chargers is a sneaky, really awful game. Both these teams aren't very fun to watch right now. No. Um, due to injuries, obviously, but also just because they. They both feel like teams that don't quite know what they're doing. Uh, obviously, they've dealt with some turmoil in their locker rooms, and it's just a situation where we're picking the Chargers because I think we still want to believe the Chargers can turn it around and be like make the playoffs and be okay. But and Pittsburgh obviously are playing Devlin Hodges potentially, um, but I don't. I don't think either of us really trust the Chargers at this point. No, I can. I can. I can. Have I, more issues at the moment. I can see this being like a ten to nine game or something like that. Yeah, like it's not going to be fun. This the, 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 the only positive in this is you're going to get. I think you're going to see. Three plus picks from Philip Rivers, and he makes the most satisfying little pissed off bitch face every time that he throws a pick. 
it is phenomenal. Um, yeah, love that. Uh, Detroit and Green Bay, both going for Green Bay. They've been playing well. Defense is playing well. They got their run game going. Detroit are a good team, but yeah, like I just think Green Bay are looking complete at the moment. Detroit not as strong looking at the moment. Um, yeah, I expect Green Bay will have more difficulties there. They'll need to lean on Rodgers a bit more. And I expect really, I, I'm favouring them most because I think their defence will get the job done. But I think this is the game. If we're going to see the, the Flower and Rodgers do something in the air, they're going to have to do it in this game because like, I think the run defence of the Detroit Lions is one of the be- better ones in the league. So I don't expect them to be able to just kind of Aaron Jones them again this week. But uh, I wouldn't count Detroit out, but I think Green Bay at Lambeau, you kind of have to pick them right now on form. Yeah, and there's still some questions on like Hawkinson, whether he's going to be back in the lineup and stuff like that there. So there's some of their weapons possibly missing too. But yeah, so that'll be interesting. A couple of nice games in there. A couple of fucking stinkers as well. But uh, yeah. <laughs> There are some really bad teams at the moment, let's be honest. Yeah, like that thing, we were discussing it off air. Like there's, there's like a five-horse race nearly for the bottom spot of like any form of power rankings at the moment it's just it's just shocking um so any plans for the rest of the week yeah so as i mentioned the big game against samoa on saturday if we win with a bonus point we're into the next round of the world rugby world cup mm. and then japan uh scotland there's also an irish qualifier against georgia ireland are in a good position to qualify for the euro championships in the soccer um so plenty of sport this weekend um other than that uh thinking it pretty pretty quiet probably Meet up with the butler and oh, food at our cork heads probably for some of the sport, but uh, excellent, you excellent. know, it's, it's early morning sport, so that's not too many pints, I think. At, yeah. Uh, <laughs> uh, well, the Ireland game starts at like eleven, and okay. the Georgia games at like two. So, so you could very you, much like you could get like an early start, Connor, early finish kind of like, setup going. <laughs> if you were here, Connor, maybe, but uh, probably keep it uh, pretty light otherwise. Ah, yeah. Uh, I did see that Joker film though, so. Um, oh. You know, that was that was interesting. Okay. Uh, I'm looking forward to seeing that actually. I'm gonna go see next week. Uh we're heading off like I've got an exam tomorrow and then I've finished all my exams, so we're gonna spend weekend down in Erbil having the crack and also getting slightly further away from the uh the recently opened war zone to the north of us here. Uh thanks America. Uh, <laughs> and uh Murray mentioned like Oh yeah, it's like if you like if you want to see the film, we there's probably like a better cinema down in Airbnb. Is it like no, 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 no? If we're going for like a two day holiday to relax, we're not going in and watching the new Joker film. I feel put a bit of a dampener on the old holiday if we do that. As I as I was saying to you before the podcast, uh, you know you're you know being from Donegal and myself from Cavan, we're well used to. You know, problematic things happening over the border. Sure, oh, yeah. you just have to get on with your life. You just a wee bit of, just a wee, just a wee mild bit of bombing. So it's, it's fine. Oh, yeah, sure. It's fine. Bit of in, bit of insurgency. Yeah. Sure, sure. Be grand. Be grand. Um, yeah. So we'll be having that back pretty soon if this Brexit thing goes. Down. Oh, too fucking right. Jesus, like that that proposal they had where they said, "Well, we're just going to take like ten miles on either side of all of the border." Like, get. We'll fucked. have custom checks, but they'll be in Enniskillen, so it'll be all right. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> Well, they, they, they can't bomb the entire section if we make the border 20 miles wide, <laughs> essentially. Um, yeah, ridiculous. But yeah, so we'll wrap up there. Uh, as always, get us online, on Twitter, on email, on Facebook, all that kind of stuff, and fire questions, etc. And we will chat to you next week. Bye.